Welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels, a Star Wars Legion podcast bringing you the latest news, general perspective, and competitive discussion. Welcome back to the Notorious Scoundrel. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that, that right there yeah, is your T-Series droid. <laughs> this is... Is he is he a T series droid because he like can't talk right like or yeah so T series droids actually are pretty precise talkers. I I posted I posted that blog of his and I said Roger Roger and I'm saying to myself I don't think the T series droid talks like that I think it has a better you know form of communication but clearly <laughs> it is I was incorrect in that thought process. Is but, is talkers even a word? Let me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, it's a word. It's a word. I didn't Use think conversate was a word, but it is. Use talkers in a sentence, please. Uh, I don't know. I just did. I, you could, all right, I'm crosswire too, I guess. So me and Kyle, uh, Kyle and I are T-series droids uh, that have bad forms of communication. And uh, here we are with the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. Yeah. Right, Kyle, you want to try that again? We can just leave it in, man. No, we're yeah. going to leave it in. We're, we're leaving, leaving it, all it in. But you want right. to you you try it again? All right. We... <laughs> Fluent in over six million forms of communication. <clears throat> yeah, welcome back to the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. I'm Kyle. I'm here with Mike and David and Zach. We just had Gen Con this weekend. Um, how you guys doing? <laughs> man, you started with Gen Con and I was like, oh, we're going to get there. No, no, now uh, you can I'm, doing, how I'm, I'm doing, doing fine. Yeah, I'm doing fine. Okay. <laughs> there you go. How about you guys? I'm I'm doing pretty good. Um, we watched some pretty fun games all weekend. Uh, hung out together, chatted about Legion, um, had some good times. Gave away a lot of awesome prizes and made a lot of people happy. So it was a good weekend all overall. Yeah, I had FOMO all weekend. I was uh, I was missing out uh, joining in with you guys, but um. It was fun doing it on the back end side. We were, you know, we had a lot of a lot of judge requests actually. Um, as opposed, you know, speaking of that, real quick, right? Like, invading. I'm sorry. Can you back up? FOMO. Yeah. Fear of missing out. Ah, okay. Uh, sorry. Hand, sorry. Right, right, you know, Kyle, again, <laughs> you're killing me. Um, but it's it's funny. Like, it made me appreciate Invader League a lot more. Um, in the moment, I got frustrated with Invader League quite a bit this season. But when there's like 20 judge questions coming up in Gen Con, I'm just like, oh, this is what a day, you know, a single day tournament is really like, as opposed to a tournament that's run across three months and people can play at their leisure. I'm like, oh, man, I forgot what this is like. Um, So it gave me a little bit of appreciation back for Invader League. Yeah, the judge, uh, I can I could do a whole separate thing about the the judge team was was great. Um, It's very interesting judging an online event because you're not walking over to tables. Um, so it's both easier and harder, you know, you're basically popping into a a TTS room and doing some kind of judge call. Um, but yeah, most, most of the, it was weird. It was like feast or famine. We'd go like 20 minutes without something. And then like six people would blitz us at once with judge questions. (laughs) Um, and also, uh, I I think, I think I've decided the thing I dislike most about MOV is the fact that judges have to witness concessions. Um, yeah, I think like the last 40 minutes of each round was just judges hopping back and forth between rooms, witnessing concessions. I think maybe standard practice and tournaments that are, uh, you know, high profile like this is just be gracious to your judges and finish your games. (laughs) Uh, 
like i don't know it's yeah i mean it's it's you know we had we had a decently sized judge team but we only had like two to three judges on shift at a given time and for a real in-person event you know it's not super common to have more than two to three judges period um like I'm picturing like a, you know, a similar sized event with 30 plus tables in the last 40 minutes of a round, you got two, maybe three judges walking around, like witnessing concessions and also having to deal with very important and time sensitive judge calls at the same time. Um, I guess we'll see how this goes at a real event, but I, I, I felt like our resources were strained in the last part of a round. Um, and a lot of it was just like, they were not contentious confessions, you know, it's just show up, sign off on the board state and call it a day. Yeah. Um, that was most of them. It was like a, it was like a, uh, rubber stamp basically, but um, maybe anyway. you can fill, sorry, maybe you can fill me in on the history of this. Like why, why was that changed? Like, cause it didn't used to be that way. Well, because it didn't used to be that the score of the game was relevant for mm. tiebreakers. Yeah. You can, um, you can from the VPs basically, which is like the most important part for the scoring of the MOV. And you need both players to kind of agree on the board state at the time of the concession to get the correct score in. And they, it has to be agreed upon too. like, like the player conceding and the person accepting the concession have to agree in the board state. Or I think if like the person conceding doesn't agree, they get 0% and the person getting the concession will get a hundred percent of the points rather than the percentages. It, it's really strange. Um, uh, no. Yeah. So it's, if if one if both players agree, then it's just wherever you stop the game, um, that's that's the board state, and you score it that way in VPs. If only one player agrees, um, and usually it would be the winning player in this case that disagrees, uh, then they would get essentially the the game washes out their MOV. So you take an average of their other game's MOV and apply it to that game, and then the losing player gets zero percent. That's what it was. Um, okay, the average, not a hundred percent, but the average and the zero percent for the per. Okay, yeah. I was Which, trying to figure out a way you could solve it, like just sign the match slip or something, and say like I agree to the way this is written up or something. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's it's co- the the problem is it's complicated because you have situations like I had one for example where um, I think it was like round round five, and um, the score was three zero. And uh, the player that had three points was going to score R2 on the next turn, and there was like literally nothing their opponent could do about it. So the score was guaranteed to be 4-0 um, if they finished the game, and it would take like an extra 10 minutes maybe to do that. Um, there was nothing that could happen that would change that state. So they were like, can we just score it 4-0? And I had to be like, no, <laughs> you're not allowed to. You can stop Weird. now and score 3-0. Um, and, you know, the one player that was losing was getting his, like, he he wanted to concede. He's like, I don't want to waste another 10 minutes of both of our times. Um, but, like, do I have to do that to give you 4-0? And the answer in this case was yes. Because if, you know, if the if the winning player didn't accept the concession, then he wouldn't, he'd get whatever the average of his other games were, were which was less. Um, so they ended up playing it out. The guy that was conceding was, was uh, nice, ultimately, and said, fine, we'll play for an extra, whatever this takes, 5-10 minutes. Um, but... I, so, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. Um, and I didn't mean for the us to open this cast with another MOV rant. We did that on a whole other episode. Okay. I have one question that I genuinely would like to see if you have an answer to. Because yep. I don't know the answer. What happens if, theoretically, all of there's a disagreement in all of your games? Not that it's super likely. 
and all of your opponents concede, but you don't accept, or, or, and you, they don't accept them, and you would take the average of all the other ones, but there's no ones to take the average from. I honestly don't know the answer to that question. Okay. It sounds like a super <laughs> rare scenario, but I see what you're, I see what you're talking about, because like you don't have anything to base this average off of. Well, I mean, like for instance, like in like in Vader League single elims, like I had like four ish concessions on like turns three and four. Like, you know, I would have probably fought to play those games out if it was like an MOV thing. So I'm just curious as to how that would have ended up playing playing out in like a real life scenario. Um, yeah, I mean, generally, I, I guess. I guess the thing that I hate most about this is that concessions are potentially contentious. Yeah, um, for sure. And and the fact that, you know, judge resources were essentially strained to, to witness them highlighted this particular drawback for me. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I didn't mean to turn this into a, a broader discussion on MOV, but that is... Well, geez, Kyle, that's what you did. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a discussion worth having if there really is a problem, you know? And, and like you say, if the judge staff is potentially strained in an online event. I can't imagine that it gets any better when you translate this to the real world. Uh, I mean, there, there was some logistical stuff with this event where like, you know, in order to go to a table, you couldn't just walk over to it. Right. You had to like log into the game and, and you know, right. Yeah. Although that was pretty fast. You know, I had TTS open the, we standardized the passwords in the room names so somebody would just be like, you know, table 20 or whatever, and you just log in and type in table 20 and TTS and the same password and get in there. It actually wasn't really that much slower than just walking to a table. Uh, I see what you mean, though. I, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is here. I, I think maybe like if you if you did like a hard cap on the maximum MOV, you can score to like 0.7 or something like that and just said concessions equal maximum MOV, full stop, and judges don't have to witness them. Um, I don't know. Maybe that would work. I don't know what the solution is, but um, just as a as a judge, it was a mildly frustrating aspect of the new scoring system, which luckily didn't come into play at all because of the format. Um, yeah, we had eight undefeated players, uh, exactly eight undefeated players move on to day two, so um, that was good. Uh, which is which is sort of another interesting aspect of it. Like people were super worried about it throughout the whole event, uh, it being MOV. Um, and we had to go through all the bookkeeping and stuff to make sure we tracked it. And then ultimately, because it's possible, like if a pair down lost or didn't lost, I don't, I don't know, there was a result where it could, could matter. And we didn't know until after the third round was over, whether that was going to be the case. So it was like, it was like weird going through all these, uh, all these hoops to track it and ultimately have it be irrelevant. <laughs> I feel yeah, like that yeah. meme from a beautiful mind where all the numbers are like flying in front of the guy's face right now. That's Bushman, isn't I mean- it? That's, right. that's, John, that's John Bushman in real life, by the way. John is our guy that did all the math. Yeah, in, a, in an optimal world, the the tiebreaker system doesn't matter, right? Because you're just having the winners move on. Correct. So, well, <clears throat> it matters. It matters if you're not making the cut and you want to get a weather vane on where you were at. I mean, I that's fair, but I think we could have a completely different conversation on whether that weather vane means anything. Um, right that's that's subjective right yeah 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 um but why don't we kick into what we were actually gonna talk about yeah yeah. Yeah, might as well derail us from the start it was an interesting talk i I thought it was cool i mean i don't know (laughs) um so 
we did in fact have a winner of the tournament. <laughs> yeah, somebody won. Yeah, uh, Josiah Brickhardsmeyer. Is that so? This is this is JJ from the Discord. Is is that your real name, JJ? Let us know. Like your because that is that is a very dynamic name. That's up there with Hercules Rockefeller. Um, <laughs> you have to say you have to say it with a German accent, Brickhardsmeyer. You have yeah, to say it correctly. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry if I butchered that, Josiah, JJ. I'm st- I'm going to call you JJ in my brain still. Yeah, just call him JJ. Yeah. Uh, he did um, uh, also play in Invader League, made Elims with uh, Republic and made it pretty far. Um, JJ's Juggernaut is his Discord handle. So, uh, But yeah, congrats. He ran a, um, a Saber tank. So this, this tournament was with, um, you know, uh, just what's street legal for real life events. So no arcs, no BX droids. Um, so he basically ran a Republic list with the Saber, um, and Rex and a bunch of clone troopers. Yeah. Obviously it worked out. You guys, did you, did you cast, um, I mean, you were watching the final, you want to talk about, um, what happened ever so briefly? Yeah. And I actually, I think, you know, seeing the Saber tank in the final was cool, but I think maybe more cool was the fact that, uh, team rogue one was on the other side of the board. Uh, which I thought was really fantastic and awesome. Um, you know, seeing a thematic list make it to the finals of a major event is pretty And cool. on Scarif. And it, on Scarif. It also lost on Scarif, which <laughs> is kind of appropriate. Um, you know, the Saber tank came in like the Death Star and killed everything. Was this uh, Aaron Amelia, the Rogue One list guy? Yes, the Lord yes. of Paper Towels. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's it's I guess unthematic that the saber t- tank didn't have the beam turret, right? Truth, truth. <laughs> but I mean, it had an easy time super lasering, right? Because it's a Rex a Rex list. There were several other heavies in the top eight. Um, three AATs in addition to the saber. Is that accurate? Yes, that sounds right. I mean, I casted six games over the course of the weekend. I think there was like no less than like seven aats across those six games um okay it was it was a lot of aats and they were everywhere um so yeah yeah that's um and i think uh was it morris that was running the double aat list like one of them could be ones one of the double yeah. aats and then grievous yeah so that's a popular that was a popular list idea and obviously worked out pretty well so yeah, it's nice to see uh, the new heavies making a splash. I mean, I think this tournament really cemented the notion that Clone Wars armor is quite strong, um, at least when our troopers are absent. But, um, you know, the AAT is going to be a monster, I think. It's already making tons of waves. And, uh, you know, FFG, they've been slowly tweaking the balance of vehicles, trying to make them really fearsome. And I really feel like the saber tank and the AAT are like some of the most fearsome heavies out there. And I think they're, they're, they're finding a, they're, they're closer and closer to finding that point where the vehicle tips over and says like, okay, here I am. And I'm going to mess your day up unless you have a plan for me. And I think that's what they intend, what they intended. And I think they're hit, they're closer and closer to the mark as time goes on. Yeah, like you can't ignore them as opposed to like, let's say the ATSD. You see the ATSD in the, on the board and you're like, all right, I'm going to ignore it. Uh, Saber Tank and AATs, especially like the double AAT, because you really, generally, generally, um, 
you don't have anything to shoot other than the AATs. Like you basically put the AATs forward. The droids are basically meat bags that just follow the follow the train, and you need to you know take out their firepower in the AATs. If you don't have an answer for it, you're in trouble. Um, and that's good to see. Like it makes building a list being all comers list even more difficult. I know we've talked about this in the past, but building an all comers list when you're thinking about a gun line or a Jedi or you know tauntauns and stuff like that you think about that, but now you have to start thinking about vehicles and do you have an answer for them? Now, critical one, of course, is usually a good answer for it, but, um, you know, rebel DLTs and arcs come to mind, et cetera. And, you know, T21Bs, uh, you know, which you see them in a lot of army lists anyway. So inherently you will end up having an answer sometimes, but there are lists that don't have answers too. I'm going to hot take this real quick. I actually don't think the AAT and the Sabre is better than current, vehicles i think they're more they're supported better by the list that they're in like the the dice pool on the atst in the saber tank is almost the same like it's it's really not that different yeah if, um, I, could, if I could take an atst and separatists i would actually i think i would do it instead of the aat yeah like like i think you know i, I think the the heavy conversation for me lately is a lot less about the actual chassis and a lot more about like the how well the army operates around it right like if you take an atst and imperialist it's very difficult to build like a coherent army behind it whereas if you take a saber tank like it there's a lot of synergy there you know with fire support and and other clone mechanics like you know you can share tokens with the with the saber tank or you can um, use like padme's exemplar to give an additional attack um, and I think that, you know, if if the Rebels and Empire had abilities like that for their vehicles, I think we'd see a lot more of them. I'm legitimately shocked that you would take an ATST and Separatist over an AAT. Losing I mean, two health, losing access to the, you know, you, you lose two health, it's true, but you lose access to the uh, red dice with Surge on nine health. Like, that seems to be pretty amazing to me, especially with armor. Well, I, I also think that, like, for instance, if uh, there was a game that I streamed this, this weekend between Kingsley and Sean Morris, and it was, um, you know, Kingsley playing triple tons uh, against a double AAT list, and basically he ignored the AATs, right? Um, other than he, he fired a bunch of sniper shots into them. Like, the only damage he could do to them was with snipers, and he actually rolled crazy well and ended up putting, like, eight crit uh pierce shots into one aat but neither of them died and like i don't know i think that a lot of lists just can't deal with armor you're missing an important piece of information is that kingsley lost that game well sure because he ignored them well my point is that like he he did basically everything he could um like he couldn't shoot them with anything else they would have destroyed anything before they got there um and i don't know I just I, I do think that overall the I think the chassis matters a lot less than you can take two AATs and Grievous and like not feel bad about where you are in your army. Like you've still got uh like eight or nine activations with an uplink, you know. Yeah, that'd be like if you could run two ATSTs plus Vader and like six core units. Right. Like I would do that in a heartbeat. 
um <laughs> i think that would be legit but like you you can't um and so i don't know um that's my general feel on it I just think that they're, I think they're actually really amazing. And I think they're just going to get better as time goes on. Oh yeah. I don't think, I don't think we're saying that the new heavies are not amazing. Um, but I think what makes them amazing as much as they're, as much as the unit themselves is, is how they fit into the faction. Sorry. I'm still hung up on this ATST and separate is like, you really trade, <laughs> criti- you'd really trade critical three and high velocity away. I like mean, a, a, and, and a 360 a- gun. He has a stronger overall dice pool consistently. Yeah, but it doesn't have to maneuver as much. You know, the AAT doesn't have to maneuver. I mean, the ATST is also faster, and it has you know the Eye of Sauron effect, which I think is grossly underestimated, particularly on real tables. Um, Yeah, but but the think of the the Separatist tank and hover on top of a building, and you get the same thing. It's it's also worth noting to this conversation now that we're in it. Um, is that the ATSC was actually very good for like a couple months there while comms relay was a thing. Yeah. Um, and that's basically what separatist armies are. When you could attach it to Krennic, it was yeah. really good. And now you can attach an AAT to, to Grievous or Dooku. Yeah. Right. And that's essentially like, for example, you know, Luke Cook ran a, an ATST with the comms relay thing in season four last season of invader and he got he ended up with fourth with an atst um because you know every turn even playing standard orders he was given an order to the atst and all three short troopers and that's turns out, what it turns out order control is really good yeah <laughs> yes like absolutely. that's that's what makes that's one of the, the biggest things that makes the aat work um i think is all mike's point is yeah, and I think later in the cast we're going to get to some more awesome things that really make the clone vehicles shine. Um, so that'll that's going to be fun. Yep. Uh, well, I was going to say, I do think it's worth noting that the Sabre tank uh, is really strong because of R2 behind it, too. Like, effectively, it's a 13-wound tank. Not, not, not to, like, take away from everything that was said here, but, like, Making the saber tank effectively thirteen wounds, if you need it to be, is extremely strong. Yeah, it's like eh, the stuff around it matters. You know? Yeah, like, making a vampire could take R two in a in an ATST list. <laughs> like all of a sudden, you just got like fifteen health. You know, behemoths walking around. Like I, I don't know. Like yeah, that's um, it. That's it. You heard it here, folks. Uh, we're gonna run a notorious scoundrels uh, tournament. Uh, all uh, all lists can have whatever you want in there. Just throw them in the pile. And uh, we're going to see what happens. That'd be really interesting, actually. That would be legitimately fun. Yeah, I just remove all the faction game. restrictions and see what people come up with. That'd be wild. <laughs> I'd probably just play, like, Dooku operatively. Yeah, that seems pretty good. Yeah, that seems good. <laughs> I'd probably do, like, Palpatine in a separatist list of B1s. That also sounds good. Uh, Palpatine R2-D2. Yeah, there you go. Would be sick. <laughs> I'm gonna pull uh, the strings R2, move them. <laughs> yeah, pull the strings R2, or um, just ha- just having R2 in there for the extra activation with palp, because R2 could make like 11 act palp lists possible. That would yep. be kind of kind of ridiculous. <laughs> you could probably get to 12 with B1s in there too. Yeah, that's true. Just do like 12 activation <laughs> right, palp and stuff. Have have nauseous thinking about this. <laughs> yeah. All right, maybe we'll maybe we'll do something like that. Just Where did I start? <laughs>
Um, all right, so uh, the top eight, real quick, faction breakdown. Uh, there were three rebels, one empire, um, two separatists, and two republic. It's a fairly even split. Yeah. yeah. And, the, and the top four was actually one of each. Um, yeah, that's fabulous. That was, was really cool. Yeah, it was awesome. Then you uh, remember that our troopers exist. <laughs> <laughs> well, they didn't for this tournament, so it was fun. <laughs> well, yeah. well, it lasted. Um, yeah, no, it was great to see one of each faction in the top four. That was perfect. Uh, all right, you guys got any other, as far as like tournament results notes? No, I mean, it was a pretty fantastic tournament. Um, I think that... Uh, Everybody should give Eric Reha some crap for <laughs> absolutely just infiltrating very poorly in his yeah. semifinals game. He deserves that. Uh, Tauntauns <laughs> once again did not win a tournament. Um, they, did, they didn't even crack top four, did they? I don't remember. I definitely tuned in, saw what Reha had Iden, and I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't see that game, but yeah, I saw that he was he was the one Imperial in the top eight. It was an absolutely sick play, just in the wrong place at the wrong time, but he proved that Tenacity Iden is a thing. Yeah, I mean, if he had done that against any other faction, he would have been golden. Yeah, but he like, would have looked like a genius. So, so Kylie, basically what happened was he turned one incapacitated, like a clone unit, and that was going to like basically just smoke a sniper strike team. He got into melee, and then... like. He must have forgotten that Call Me Captain was a thing. So uh, JJ just called me Captain next turn and basically ruined Iden's day. It yeah, was, just standby punched him to death. It was pretty brutal. Yeah. Mm. She yeah. tanked a lot, though. She's really yeah. tanky. Un- unfortunately, they were playing Sabotage the Moisture Vibrators on advanced positions, and they each had basically deployed along the, the Long March table edge, and Iden was in the middle of the board when she died. And JJ was red player, um, and he just backed up and retreated. And it was yeah, hard. R1's win condition became kill the saber, which is not a good place to be. Yeah, that's not great. Um, so in certain circumstances, a genius play, uh, yeah. not in that yes. specific one. <laughs> From a certain point of view. Yeah. We love, we love you, Eric. Yep. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so it was a great tournament. Thanks to all everyone that watched on the various channels. Uh, thanks to all the, all the judges, the judge team, and the organizers, and all you streamers, and all of our sponsors, too. Our hey, thanks to Gen Con Online as well, by the yep. way. I know this was like a new experience for all of them, and you know they're, they're, they had their hands full, and they were extremely responsive when I talked to them. Yeah, I'm sure they had. I mean, obviously, they were running a whole online convention um, for the first time ever for them. So, yeah, they did a lot for they did a lot with the little, and it was it was really awesome. Awesome. You guys got anything more to say about the tournament? Uh, do you want to run one of these again sometime? I think we should do it every month. <laughs> we should just have a, a Legion Discord Prime Championship. I don't know yeah. about every month, but it's definitely like. Um, a thing that is doable. <laughs> you could do it. You could do a quarterly uh, mass tournament like that. You know. Yeah, I'm not sure we could muster that prize support like that that frequently. Oh, definitely you know? not. Um, but we definitely could probably organize something. You know, 
less prize heavy, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. It's a very different feel than like, cause like an in-person tournament, you're there, you've sort of blocked, like preemptively just blocked off your entire weekend. It's a little different when you're sitting at your house in front of a computer, less social for starters, um, which is the biggest aspect, but just logistically speaking, it's a very different challenge. Yeah. It's just harder to justify with the wife and the kids. Yeah. <laughs> like, cause yes. is it, it's just cause they can still see you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, all right. So example, I stepped away for the one hour to cover the FFG stream with you and Cirillo. And I yeah, told her, yeah. I told her it would just be an hour or so. The moment like that clock hit like six Oh five, I, and we were still discussing things. I, you couldn't hear her, but I could hear her saying, babe, cause you know, the clock was ticking. She, I told her just a little over an hour. She knows I'm upstairs sitting on my butt talking about star Wars and she's home with the kid alone. And I shouldn't have put a time frame on it, but that's like the easiest thing. Like you tell the wife, it's going to be a little like an hour and you know, it's going to take more than an hour, but you just say it because it's just easier for them to, to like compartmentalize it. And then after the hour gets up, they're crawling up your butt because you need to get back downstairs and, and handle the kid with her. Um, so that's, that's definitely a, uh, a traffic cone in, when it comes to tournaments uh, for uh, married with kids. <laughs> Yeah, it's just a out of sight, out of mind thing. Like if if you go out, out of town for a weekend for a convention, like you're gone. That's it. There's you know, you're not there. They, but like if you're if you're sitting on your ass in the basement or your office or wherever, and like your kids are flipping out, and you're like sitting there listening to your kids flip out, like while your wife tries to handle it all by herself. You're like, oh, I'm such a bad person. <laughs> so even even though that the same thing would be happening if you weren't there. Yeah, I just wouldn't right? be aware of it, and she wouldn't be, you know, like it. It, I wouldn't be available. Like, you're you're more available, even though you're 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 not. If that makes sense. Like, it, what it sounds like is what you guys are trying to say is that when you're present, you feel guilty. Well, it's it's not just that, like. <laughs> It's hard to explain unless you've lived it. Um, yeah, it's not really guilt. Like it is in, in a sense. I get what Kyle's saying, but it isn't at the same time. It's like more like a a sense of responsibility. Like 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 when you're away, you, you know they're you know that your kids you know like giving your wife a hard time, but you're just like, I'm not home. I, I'm okay with that. I'm not even thinking about that. I'm playing Star Wars Legion, but I'm now talking about Star Wars Legion and hearing my kid freak out downstairs and. I know that my wife is sitting there thinking he could be down here helping me. He's not often let's say he's not off in Chicago playing Star Wars Legion. He's upstairs just talking about it with two guys I don't even know. And you know, I got to run down those stairs. So what you just described is guilt. I want to be very clear. Here. Yeah, just by the way. That's <laughs> fine. That's fine. In a sense, it just it doesn't feel like guilt in the moment. Let's put it that way. It just feels it's, like you're like, "Oh crap. Like it's, I, it's I, I have to go do this." Like, imagine if you brought your wife and kids to, like, all of your Legion games at a tournament and they stood there at the table with you. Like, even just logistically speaking, despite the best efforts of whoever you brought with you to, like, keep your kids away from your table, they'd be like, what's that? What's that? What's that? They'd be touching everything. They'd be wanting to interact with you because you're there, right? And, like, when you have a three-year-old or two-year-old, they don't understand that, like, you're there, but you can't interact with them. That's not, like, a thing, right? 
like daddy's busy leave me alone is not like yeah what, what you're describing is not guilt i i'm i'm okay with that i okay. just like, <laughs> i understand your example what yeah, zach okay. described was totally guilt and we encourage absolutely no one to choose this hobby over your family let's just be absolutely clear on that before yeah, it's just further this is this is why online tournaments people are like oh you're blocking off the same amount of time it's exactly the same it's totally not the same <laughs> It might be if you're, you know, if you've got no responsibility to anyone else in your house, um, or even if you just don't have kids but you're married. Uh, but um, yeah, it's very different when you have kids. Shout anyway, out to all the nerd dads out there. Yep. Right. Yeah. Thanks. This segment dedicated to you, nerd dads. Um, all right. That's enough about that topic, which most people probably don't care about. Um, Real American <laughs> heroes. Yeah. Well, speaking of heroes, uh, how about that drop, Mike? Welcome to In the News. Yeah, so sorry, we, you said, sorry, what about that drop? And I looked at the sheet and there was no drop in here. I was confused. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking of a certain command card we learned over the weekend. Uh, uh, Kyle, if you want to guide us into it, then I'll take over if you want. Yeah, so uh, we had two FFG streams. There was there was essentially like a the in-flight report, which was just a bunch of previews um, with uh, lots of fun pictures of the new stuff, um, but very little context. And then there was a, a panel, uh, with Luke Eddy and, um, uh, and Brian Keelan and, uh, Corey DeVore, uh, on Saturday and where they actually talked in detail or some more detail about the new releases, which is Anakin mall, uh, and spec packs for the new specialist packs for the new factions, which we'll talk about. We'll go through, um, essentially not only what they showed, uh, as far as cards and, and such are concerned, but also what they they uh, verbally conveyed some concrete information about how these units work in the game. So we'll go over that. Um, and you want to take it away, Zach, with our with our first unit here. All right, it's Star Wars Legion. It's Star Wars itself. And when Clone Wars dropped, I'm sure we all thought to ourselves, "Where the hell is Anakin Skywalker?" Well, have I got news for you? He's coming. And he's coming with uh, a three pip that they showed on stream called Hero of the Clone Wars, which is what David segued into uh, without even knowing he did it. Um, first of all, uh, I know we brought this up on Dash's TV when we were discussing it. Let's talk about this artwork real, real quick. It is beautiful. It's Anakin and, and Obi-Wan. And my favorite part is is that Rex is behind them just gunslinging away. Um and it's just such great. I, I feel like the artwork on these cards are just getting better and better. Same with the models. I know we've talked about this on past episodes, and we talked about the other day on the stream. But the modeling and the artwork is just getting so good. Um, but let's talk about this three pip real quick, um, and we'll go over the keywords uh, that come with it. It's a three pip. Hero of the Clone Wars. It's Anakin Skywalker in two units. It's permanent, which means that you're going to keep these keywords for the rest of the game. Anakin Skywalker gains Exemplar, Reliable 2, and at the end of his activation, if he is not at range one to two of a friendly unit, he gains one suppression token. Um, so before we discuss that, I also skipped over one part is that Anakin comes in at 160 points, 160 points. So um, one thing that Luke mentioned on stream two, and it's here on this command card, is that his command cards come in with you know, perks, but it also comes with a drawback. And the drawback on this one is that if he's not at range at friendly units, he gains a suppression token. Um, but other than that, what do you guys think? 
this card's really good. Um, you know, I think we've seen the strength of surge tokens in the clone faction, um, and having re- basically a mini aggressive tactics, um, you know, on your your hero because not only does he get two surge tokens a turn, but he has exemplar to kind of gain a pseudo clone trooper keyword. Um, seems seems really strong. Um, just generally. Yeah, I was actually having this discussion this discussion earlier was like and we were theorizing like an Anakin Padme list and I was like, do you even need aggressive tactics? Cause like reliable two on Anakin is aggressive tactics like for free, but it's cut in half, but it's still, you know, not a you know ten point tax on top of it. And it's just interesting to kind of think about that. Um and again, being the permanent you know, keyword, meaning you have that for the whole game, not just the one round you play that card is like super interesting. Yeah. I also think that it's, it's kind of got like, I'm, I'm glad you brought up like Padme um, in that, like <clears throat> their, their three pips are kind of similar in that Padme can play her three pip for reliable as can Anakin and Padme clearly already has exemplar, but they kind of share some, share some like synergistic, they're basically like aggressive tactics together in in a clone army just without the bad dialogue which is good um (laughs) (laughs) so so some other stuff that they touched on stream is that um anakin's gonna be like a more offensive obi-wan uh which i mean makes total sense if you've watched the clone war series anakin just kind of like runs off and does his own thing and i think they also mentioned that his i'm gonna i'm gonna mess this up Dejem so mastery, uh, you know, is like defensive, but it's to also turn offensive. So they're basically going to make like Anakin the opposite of Obi Wan, which makes complete sense when you think about it in like a thematic sense. Yeah, I mean, in the show, he just, and certainly in the movies too, he just kind of runs in there and he's like, "Hey guys, I got this. I'm Anakin Skywalker." <laughs> right. Just kind of makes yeah. it up as he goes along. They're, they're kind of like yin and yang, I think, to, in a lot of respects. You know, they they balance each other out. They're like the perfect team to some extent. And I think that, um, you know, one being aggressive, one being defensive really, um, you know, makes that kind of shine through. I really hope Anakin Kenobi is like a thing. Me too. I've, I've been like, like ever since this happened and I got, I wasn't expecting the 160 point cost, mind you. I've been sitting here like, all right, well, what can I stuff into a list that has two Jedi that are going to be clipping like, you know, 170 plus on each, uh, you know, assuming you take upgrades on Anakin. I mean, mostly force push. You're going to always put force push on a Jedi. So it's just like, what can I do? Uh, It's not going to be a lot of activations. uh, Let's put it that way. But, you know, when you have two strong units like that, I think a lot of things are possible. Um, I don't know. Up until this point, I haven't really had to think about um, two units with force push on it in the same list. Um, because I actually, now that I'm sitting here, I don't think you can even do that, right? Um, uh, you can you can do Palpatine Invader, right? Palpatine Invader, there we go. Um, but that's like a bajillion points, so that doesn't happen. Um, <laughs> and Palpatine's has trouble getting within range one of things, so that's fair. Though I would like to point out that later in this episode, I think David's going to talk about the Separatist character that they revealed. He can also hang out in a list with Dooku. That's oh, yeah, true. That's a whole other thing. Oh, man. So 
All right. I, I didn't even think about this when I was thinking about these things, but here we are. Uh, double force push, uh, jumping units. It's going to be crazy. Wow. Because uh, Anakin does come with jump, which is a, you know, a key thing for Jedi in this game. Um, one thing that was confirmed by Luke, and it was in the uh, release article when they previewed um, what they were going to show off at Gen Con, um, is there's a yellow card in Anakin's pack, uh, which we're being told is some sort of like flaw mechanic. Uh, it plays similarly to a command card. It doesn't replace a command card, but it's played during the command card phase. And you, and you actually give it to your opponent, I think is what he said. Um, so it's a bit interesting um, to think that you're going to play a card or have a card in your army, but you actually have to hand it to your opponent. And it's going to be a whole new mechanic. I, you know, it's all speculation, but um, it seems like that's going to be an interesting change to the game. I hope it's called I Hate Sand. <laughs> Ironically, that is, the, that is the name of the list of uh, Anakin and Padme uh, for me is just I Hate Sand. Because I, I hate need, Sand. <laughs> like, you need, it needs to be there somewhere. Um, but if that flaw, if that, uh, card, uh, that flaw card is called I Hate Sand, I would absolutely lose my mind. <laughs> uh, how hilarious would it be if it just came with like a little bag of basing sand in the box? And like that, the, the card text was just like, take the bag of sand and dump it on the board. <laughs> uh, hobby store owners everywhere would murder FFG. Yeah, probably. Oh man! Well, now, now all I can think of uh, is uh, all the memes that came from Spider-Man uh, when he said, "I don't feel good, so good, Mister Stark." And there was like a a bag that of sand, and they said, "This is Spider-Man from Avengers." But that's, that's for another story. <laughs> um, spoiler alert! But a- another card that actually got mentioned off-stream in an article has some great Anakin artwork, mind you. Um, offensive stance. Uh, it is the first card of its kind, if I'm not mistaken. It is a training upgrade, but it specifically says it is for a force user only, or f- you know, the the person that you're applying it to has to have a force slot. Um, and that reads: uh, at the start of your activation, you may flip this card. When you perform an aim action, gain two aim tokens instead of one. You cannot spend dodge tokens, and it comes in at five points. Um, what do you guys think? Bogo, but I won't get one. <laughs> nice. Um, I think it's interesting that it, it seems like we've only got half the card. It seems to do something when you flip it. Um, not really clear what. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's hard to judge without knowing what happens when you flip it. Yeah, but at the at the end of the day, it is nice to know that on this one side, you're getting two aims for the price of one, as Kyle said, Bogo. But it's not just for you, because he has Exemplar if you play it at 3-pip, and he can just keep on passing those aims to somebody else. Uh, maybe maybe Obi-Wan is you know ahead of you, and he's fighting somebody, and he's in melee, and maybe he's not wounded, so tenacity is not triggered. And I don't know if you've ever rolled Obi-Wan's lightsaber, but sometimes it can roll like hot garbage. Uh, okay, And maybe you need some aims. And, and Zach's can... over here like, you know what Republic needs? Republic needs more, more token sharing. <laughs> it's token sharing jedi it's completely different than token sharing snipers okay uh let me have this moment because you're gonna shut it down in a couple minutes with maul uh and uh you know i'm gonna fear maul for a little bit but i think it's an interesting upgrade i like that it is a flippable card like you mentioned mike um so it'll be interesting to see the other side um but i do think seeing specific upgrades that are for certain spots but they only work for certain units is kind of a good design space. 
and I'm interested to see where they take it. Yeah, um, I also think like Anakin sculpt is amazing. Um, he's got he's got like multiple poses, and I think they even did like the like his cloak a little differently to like get the poses in there right. He's like the poses are super aggressive. They've even like modeled like the scar on his face and stuff. Um, it's like indented a little bit, so it's like easy to kind of like just throw like some shade on there, and it'll kind of fill in pretty nicely. Um, so I don't know. I looks fantastic. A plus plus for me. Get out your teeny tiny brushes and get ready to paint that little scar. It does look amazing, though. You're right, and I think they said on stream that they had to model like two different torsos. If I'm not yeah. mistaken, I think he said that there's actually two different torsos in the kit because the the two different like poses, the way he's got his arms, like it doesn't quite fit in to like they the two arm sets don't fit into the same torso basically. This is my favorite pose, the one where he, the crossbody one where he's like blocking that just looks great. It's my favorite pose. Like I thought Operative Luke's was really good. This is just another step up. Yeah, and I do think that um, Mike touched on it. Uh, they like specifically did say like they had to model his robes differently than Obi Wan's, and like it was just a whole different process for Anakin, which is awesome. I, I mean, you're getting two faces, two different body. You're almost getting two models in the kit for one. Uh, another, I guess, Bogo, right, Kyle? There you go. Yep. Bogo. Um, and then obviously after that, there were some specialists. Uh, what do you think, Mike? Yeah, so, um, you know, we've been running around with Galactic Civil War era, you know, uh, specialists for a while now. I guess they've probably been out almost two years at this point, I think. Uh, maybe maybe I'm crazy and it's only one, but I think it's two. Um, like one and a half-ish. Yeah. They came out just before LVO uh, last year, so. Okay, yeah, so a year and a half-ish. We'll, we'll split the difference. Um and so basically what they uh, went ahead and confirmed on stream here was that we were going to go ahead and get, um, I believe, a commander, uh, a medic, an engineer, and some sort of comm specialist, um, which was pretty awesome. Um, and notably, um, the medic and the engineer, it sounds like, are actual combatants, but will only be able to heal one hit point of whatever they normally would heal instead of two. Um, so that's interesting, an interesting difference. It'll be cool to see what like points cost they clock in at. They, they can't do as much healing, so maybe they're um, a little bit more uh, affordable than they otherwise would be. Um, so a couple other things. They revealed a one pip out of the specialist uh, pack for the Republic, um, and it is called, uh, synchronized offensive. Uh, it gives a one vehicle an order, sort of, it gives, it's on the card. It says one vehicle, it's Republic only. And after a friendly vehicle unit is issued an order, choose a friendly clone trooper unit at range one to two of it and issue that unit in order. Um, so this card is basically just enabling fire support. I think, what do you think guys? Yeah. It, it basically says, hello, would you like 20 dice to the face? <laughs> On a one pip. Yeah, <laughs> On a one yeah. pip. <laughs> yeah, but you're also uh, coordinating to fives. And then... <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. All, right. All right. I thought Mike was the de degenerate clone, not David. Come on. 
you can do some pretty crazy things with this thing. So like you can take a saber, right? And then you could take a bark. And I know I've been like not hot on barks, but I actually think barks may be pretty good with this card specifically. Like you could take bark, bark, and have an uplink on one of them. Um, and then you could have three clone units behind them. And then with this card, like hand five orders out with uh, fives. Um, because you... Because this, the text on this says after friendly vehicle unit is issued an order. It doesn't say issued an order from this card. So the order from uplink will work to go ahead and trigger the uh, text effect on it, um, which is very cool. Like you could have triple barks and pop multiple uplinks and get a bunch of order tokens. So um, this could be a six or seven order, uh, you know, one pip if you uh, are have kitted your list out to try and abuse the power level of this card. So um, I think it's awesome that they're giving vehicles um, some much needed support. Uh, I mean, I know that the Sabre did really well, but it's not like you're probably going to take two Sabre tanks in a list. And if you did, you probably need a little, your list probably will need a little help anyways, because um, you're going to be on like a seven or eight activation count at that point. Yeah. It's nice to see, you know this generic card like the so the the civil war era generic cards are kind of hit or miss you know coordinated fire is really good um covering fire is selectively good so is um you know the two pips but like the one pips are are basically garbage uh, no, 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 no. They're not basically garbage. They're hot garbage. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> Let's put it this way. You don't know the names of those cards off the top of your head, which means they are not good. Sure covered observation. It's covered. And... Covered ops and mm, maybe I don't know the other Okay. One. Sabotage yeah, communication. Sabotage. So is right. you do it on top of your head. Come on. <laughs> I'm just busting balls, David. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, they're, they're not good. Uh, it's nice to see... Um, you know, a generic command card one pip that is not only appears to be good, but looks like it's great. Like this is something you definitely want to include in a list with a vehicle. Um, you know, there are not very many one pips that hand out more than one order. Uh, common cause. Um, is that the only one? Choose one. I mean, without like uplink shenanigans. Without uplinks and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's, it's the only one. Yeah. Okay. So even even that like. You know, that's quote unquote all it does, but that's also great, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Totally, um, totally. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's awesome. I mean, do you count the entourage on Palpatine or Krennic? I don't think it's, it doesn't come from the so. card, it comes from the unit. Yeah, yeah it's a different yeah. mechanic. But again, yeah. that's really strong, right? Like It's very strong. Um, like just being able to hand out, you know, more than one order token on your one pip turn is has always been strong. You know, there's a reason people take you know, uplinks on vehicles or, you know, um, other things. It, it used to do like comms relay shenanigans to like get orders to things on one pip turns with uplinks. Like it used to cost a lot more. So um, I think this is really cool. So I think uh, command card aside, maybe the most important thing that they spoiled, not spoiled is the wrong word, that they stated about the specialist pack is that the generic clone commander is going to be 55 points, which uh, is pretty crazy. Um, I think, what, Rex is 90, and he's the cheapest clone commander presently. Um, I think that we, we, don't, we don't know any of the keywords on this, on this card. We really don't know what it does. The only things that we do know is that 
or that we can surmise is that it's it's probably a clone trooper. I think that that's fair. Um, and that uh, Luke did say that um, both the specialist commanders were going to have something uh, with them that like allows them to fit into the army. He didn't really go into like what that meant or like what that suggested, but that they would synergize well. Um, so I think that this is really interesting because a lot of clone lists right now are taking like naked phase ones um, that are 52 points. And if a clone commander like has some sort of ability that synergizes with the army well for an extra three points, he's probably just better than a naked phase one if you have a commander slotted. Yeah, definitely. I, I I think the funniest part of the stream, and I joked around on uh, the stream that we did on Dash's TV, was I felt like that like Luke was calling like the generic like rebel and imperial officers like like a like a tax, like a commander tax. If you if you go back and listen to the way he was saying it, he's like, oh well, sometimes you take them, but you're only taking them because you have to. And he was basically alluding to the fact that he probably feels that like 55 points for this commander is going to be good, uh, as opposed to what he thinks you know. Um, that Gideon Argus and I don't I don't even know if the the uh, Imperial one is named um, that they're just there because you need a body uh, and you need a commander, which was just funny to me to see like to hear him talk about like in that way like we you know we can call it a commander tax we're a competitive you know podcast right like or, or we're in the Discord we say something's uh, you know a commander tax you know that's fine it was just funny to hear Luke kind of alluded to that way. Yeah, you know, he definitely suggested that, like, this guy was going to be good enough to just, like, be your commander and you were going to be happy with it. So, um, it's really cheap for a commander, and I think it opens up a lot of list-building options for clones. You know, you can take a saber tank and not feel like uh, you're using that that much. Though I do think, I don't know, are Rex's command cards probably worth 45 points? Uh, or 35 points? Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Take that clankers might be worth thirty five alone. Yeah, for real. No, no lie there, Zach. So, um, I we don't know what the other generic command cards are, so we'll have to see. But um, it'll be interesting. I think the but, two pip, I think the two pip is is somewhat visible on the the sheet, um, but you only see the name of it. I think it was airstrike or something like that. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I uh, you know, I also. You know, going back to the models here, like the clone commander is holding like this hollow projector of another clone in his hand. It looks so dope, uh, you know. And I think they said that like all of the clones in this kit are just basically going to be swappable, interchangeable. They are all going to have like phase one, phase two, uh, no helmet heads. One dude's got a mohawk. Um, it's it all looks really good. Um, you know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, they, they actually went. Incredible. They went to in depth. The one that is holding the uh, hollow, like the holograph or hologram, whatever you want to call holopuck. it. Holopuck. Yeah, holopuck. There we go. He has like a pauldron, but he also has like a, a different like shoulder pad underneath the pauldron, and it's different than the shoulder pad on the other side. Uh, Corey, Corey was uh, talking about it like in depth. Like they like really wanted to make these specialists kind of pop. Yeah, you can even do a pose where he's like holding his helmet under one arm. And holding the hollow puck and the other with like the non-helmeted face, um, which I think is awesome. We talked uh, last week about <laughs> how like it's super. You see all these dudes with with no helmets on running around the battlefield, and it's super impractical. But this one I could actually see because the whole hollow puck thing has the feeling of like a briefing, 
you know, yeah, not totally. like mid combat. So the holding the helmet, helmet off, you know, looking at the hollow puck, that's like a pose that I can envision it actually occurring, you know? Um, yeah. T- so. Taking the helmet off to rest or, you know, right. sir, a, a message is coming in from Palpatine, you know, order 66. You know. Yeah. It's, it's awesome. So- so uh, we still have two more things to go over. David, you want to uh, fill us in on some of the separatist shenanigans? Yeah, so there's a there's a new separatist commander they announced. You might be familiar with him. Uh, his name is is Maul. Not I mean not Darth, just Maul. <laughs> I mean I guess he is Darth Maul in this uh, iteration since he is uh, still working for the CIS. But uh, they did reveal that he will be coming to Star Wars Legion. Uh, he has a, an amazing sculpt, uh, similar to Anakin. He's got his uh, double-bladed lightsaber and his uh, face tattoos, kind of like Anakin's scars, are actually modeled on the sculpt, which is really, really cool. I'm so I'm actually looking at the yeah. I'm so relieved. <laughs> Freehanding those would have been a nightmare. So thank you, uh, FFG, for that gift of a uh, of a really amazing sculpt. Um, yeah. So thanks to him, I've had the I've had the Duel of the Fates theme stuck in my head for like the last 48 hours. Um, but uh, he's going to come with some of these uh, Sith probe droid things that look really amazing. Um, those are those uh, little scout droids that he has in Phantom Menace, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and they, they appear to be ranked special forces. So he's actually like a, a two units in one kind of box. Oh, he's an operative. I'm sorry. I thought it was a commander. My bad. I guess he wouldn't be a commander, would he? Um, yeah, it makes total but, sense that he's an operative. Uh, yeah, 100%. Like, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, some people have been complaining like, oh, why put Maul in here? Well, you know, uh, you know, during the first movie, he was working for the Trade Federation. The Trade Federation was working for, working for Palpatine. So, you know, why not? Um, the only also, rank he really could be was an operative. Yeah, and also like he's Darth freaking Maul. Like... If, if you're going to make a Star Wars game, he's one of the most interesting and iconic characters in the series. Um, yeah. yeah. I want to rant really quick because there's been a ton of people on Facebook that are like, oh my God, Maul's coming to Star Wars Legion. He's never been part of the Separatists. This is crazy. Like, I'm sorry. He's literally the first bad guy we see if you watch the Star Wars movies like from front to back. He's like the epitome of like what a Sith is supposed to be. Oh, I don't know. Like, this is this is it. This is the pinnacle. But keep yeah. doing it because it gives me something to read every day. <laughs> <laughs> Bottom line, he's awesome. I'm happy he's in the game. Uh, so yeah. they, they revealed some things about him. Uh, he's cost the same as Anakin, 160 base, apparently. Um, he has a mastery called Juyo Master. We don't know what that does, but I'm sure we will soon enough. Uh, he does have Jump, which makes complete sense since he's super acrobatic during the Phantom Menace and uh, uses his agility to duel Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan simultaneously. Um, and then his one pip is extremely stellar. Speaking of, you know, being anti-Jedi. So it's called Duel of the Fates. Maul gains one dodge token and disengage. So I'm already interested. Uh, while Maul is engaged with an enemy unit, that unit cannot spend aim, dodge, standby, or surge tokens. So he basically says... Yeah, you know all those tokens you have? You don't get to use those as long as I'm in melee with you. That's really nuts. Yeah, you couldn't hear me because I put myself on mute as I threw up on uh, next to my computer. 
I mean, this this card just like puts up a middle finger to hello there. <laughs> like, <laughs> as someone who plays like Obi Wan, like ninety percent of the time, I play Legion. This this card and Mike Mike saw my face like live when this card got like revealed. My face just dropped. Like and it's probably still dropping right now because I'm I'm sitting here and I'm gonna have a nightmare again about this card because it's just gonna shut me down. Yeah, you're gonna play like General Kenobi and then Maul's gonna laugh at you because you can't spend your giant stack of surges. I think the best part of this is the dodge token and disengage, honestly. Um like the can't spend tokens part is amazing in very specific situations, but I think it's also like there will be games kind of like Luke's you know, Jedi Luke's three pip, um, where you don't even use the primary effect of this card at all. Um, and you're just using it for the free dodge token and disengage. Yeah. There, there's very few one pips that have dodge tokens attached to them for like Jedi characters. Something uh, equally cool about his command hand is that he has, uh, Luke Eddy explained during the uh, Gen Con. Um, Legion segment on Saturday that Maul actually has two one pip cards and he will sub out a three pip for a one pip, kind of like Han subs out his uh, one pip for a zero pip. So you'll be able to build um, a one pip, an additional one pip into your hand in place of a three pip when you're taking Maul, which is also insane. Insane. So if you run him with Dooku, you can have three one pips, one of which has cunning. Yeah, so like <laughs> I will always have the initiative like all the time, essentially in that list. Uh, that's kind of nutty. Maladu. I mean, he's an aggressive character, right? Like mm-hmm. that's like he just attack, attack, attack. Like he's relentless. I don't know. It just yeah. We don't we don't know if he's relentless. We didn't see the rest of his card. So oh, I was I was using that as like oh, an as, like, as an adjective, not the not the keyword. Okay. You know, person, he just like in that fight with Qui Gon and Obi Wan, he just like constantly is just, I don't know, he's yeah, vicious. He, he's also got a pile of attack dice because they said he has eight attack dice. They didn't reveal the colors, but uh, that kind of makes sense considering he's got double lightsaber. You know, kind of like Grievous has, you know, multiple sabers and Grievous can swing eight as well. So you've got a lot of like a lot of a uh, lot of punch there. Yeah, I think they did mention. Uh, I think Luke mentioned that it's not going to be like Grievous, where he's got Arsenal. Um, it's just, it's actually just going to be one lightsaber. Uh, I just want to put that in there as a note, but I'm pretty sure Luke said that it's not going to function like that. Oh, so you can't like split it up. Yeah, it just, which is, I think it's interesting um, because you see him do that against Obi Wan and Qui Gon, but if you think about it, he kind of does that in more of like a defensive way rather than an offensive way. And when he does go offensive on them, he's actually doing that one-on-one. So I kind of get the theme that they went for, um, that he's swinging just one lightsaber rather than two, even though it's a dual blade. I wonder if there's like something thematic in there. Like, cause I remember in the movie, I think they cut his lightsaber in half, if I'm not mistaken at one point. So the fight scene on Tatooine, he only engages one lightsaber. So it's like the first, I, cause I'll never, I'll never forget it. I remember watching the Phantom Menace as like a kid and you see him fight on Tatooine. He's only got one blade and you're thinking, all right, that's normal. And then as the music starts to pump up on Naboo and the door starts opening and you get those chills down your spine. Cause you're like, what's coming up? You know, it's Maul. You, you, know, you assume it's Maul and rips out his lightsaber 
and one blade comes out and you've never seen like a dual blade or at least i didn't because i was too young to like read the books or like play like you know video games at that point that had had like dual like lightsabers and he opens up the other blade and you're just like oh shit he's got two blades and you know that's it so it's interesting but they do cut it in half and then they cut him in half so you know it balances out so the other there's one more tidbit they mentioned on the stream which is that the probe droids are um uh, a separate unit Mm. forces so right they're like a set it's a two-unit pack essentially they didn't say what the probe droids did but um uh should we hit the um the generic uh separatist expansion pack the is specialist? it generic i really think you mean this is the kyle Dornboss expansion pack. <laughs> yeah people have been joking for a while that i'm a tactical droid and now i can play one in legion um so there you go. Bell bottoms and all. This guy's going to disco his way right into my heart. Um, uh, yeah, it's um, it's awesome. I'm super excited. They mentioned that um, the T-Series uh, is also 55 points. So I've already seen like other Separatist players basically rejoicing over this one fact, even though they know literally nothing about the unit or the unit card. <laughs> Um, because if he's command, if he's a commander, if he f- fulfills your, you know, minimum one commander and costs 55 points, um, I mean, that's just going to open up so many list building ideas for a faction that already kind of has like, um, I think probably the best internal balance of the various factions right now, as far as like the widest array of units and builds that are good. And this is, this is going to blow that even more wide open, I think. Yeah, I feel like this guy could have one hit point and he'd be fine. <laughs> yeah. Just, just have him just have him piss on a line of sight blocker or something um, yeah. in the backfield yeah. and uh check check that commander box on your on your list builder and do nothing else and you'll feel good about it. 120 points less than Grievous, but it's okay. Just stand there in your corner and you're fine. Wait, did you say it's 120 less than Grievous? Isn't he isn't Grievous 175 base or is it even more than that? So, yeah, well, I, was I, just to, I was just trying to make sure it was 120 because that's like actually the literally the cost of like six E5Cs. <laughs> yeah, hold on. I, I don't know nothing <laughs> yeah. about droids. Is 175 his base? Uh, yeah, I yeah. It is. yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, so basically, every double AAT list just gained an actual gun line. <laughs> that's that's one way to look at it. Yeah, you can, wow. just, math, you can just math it out just thinking that. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Although Grievous is a reasonably oh important part of that double AAT build just as far as having like a melee threat. Fair enough. Fair enough. So it's not like all game there, but yeah, I see where you're going with this. Yeah, yeah, you see. <laughs> I mean, I think you could easily do like a like a 13 or 14 activation list or something. Um, you know, take like six B1s, three staps, uh, and that's only 13. If you took like three staps and three strike teams and six B ones, yeah, that's yeah, I was just gonna say because you could you could like realistically, so you have 120 points from Grievous and stap two staps are like what 146. So you're just gonna find like 26 points and you basically add two units to your you know list building for losing Grievous and going down to Bell Bottoms guy. So yeah, you could do, you could do double AAT double stap. <laughs> do you think do you think Cad Bay and Tactor could be a thing? I mean, it's yeah. I mean, it's hard to say without knowing specifically what this guy does. But yeah, um, if you want to make a list focused on Cad Bane and just have this guy check your commander box, 
Uh, I don't see why not. I dig it. I mean, similarly, probably like mall might operate that way too, right? Um, right. Well, and yeah, and just like headband malls an operative, so you got to take them with something else. Um, and if if you want to have some beef in there, uh, you know, running certainly running like mall Dooku seems more doable than you know Palpatine Vader because this the separatist um, support elements and the core units are cheaper than the Empire ones. Um, but you're still probably going to be stretching it you know to get to enough activations with that um if you want to do that but you could you know certainly with 55 points in there you know if mall's 160 and this guy's 55 that's what 215 for the two of them um so that's basically like dooku plus 10 points so yeah i could easily see that um they did also preview the generic one pip for separatists uh, mechanized incursion it's essentially like a direct mirror of the clone one which it gets really interesting when you combine it with coordinate, right? Like staps have coordinate. Um, <laughs> do you get, if you've got three staps and they each bounce in order to each other, do you get like three additional free orders out of that? I think the answer uh, to that question is yes. I think so too. It's not clear to me that that's like, I mean, clearly that's fine. Um, but it's not like separatists currently have much trouble getting all face-ups or mostly face-ups on their one pit turns as it is. Um, so I, I see this as like a super flex card, but I don't see the, you know, replicating a bunch of orders thing being like, it, it's just kind of overkill, I think. Yeah, it certainly seems a lot better for the Republic. Um, Not I think you're probably a... still playing it if you've got a vehicle yeah. in your separatist list. Yeah. You know, um, it saves you having uh, to burn an uplink or something on a given turn, you know, to kick off the rest of that order chain. Yeah. You know, um, which I, which I think is fine, you know, if you don't have to tap your uplink on an important turn and you get to save it for later, that's always very valuable. Yep. Uh, they also had an actual image of the T-Series upgrade card uh, in, the, in the article. Um, uh, he's got a red dice with sidearm ranged. Um, so right now, the only sidearm keyword we have is the IRG one, which basically means they have to use that weapon. Um, and then uh, you lose AI attack, so similar to the security droid there, um, but also gain reliable one, and it becomes your unit leader uh, for 18 points. It seems pretty good. I could see this seems... in both B1s and B2s. Yeah, yeah it seems really good for B2s. You know, um, you know, we've been talking about whether or not they've been like, if the range two B2 list is actually a thing. Um, this kind of makes up for a lot of the. Uh, AI attack shenanigans we've been talking about. Yeah. Like, just take six B2s with this guy. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's noticeable on the card that he actually has a health denomination on him, which we had only seen on, like, Echo and Tristan and Ursa and the reveals for them. Um, but he has one uh, one health in, their cor- in the corner to um, show you that, uh, which I think is important. Um because basically to put him in a B2 unit, like you just said, he still only has one health. He's not going to gain because B2s are two health per model, correct? Yeah. So you, you don't gain that extra health by throwing him into a B2, uh, which is, no, you know, notable. Yeah, it totally is. Uh, yeah, I'm glad because that would be silly. <laughs> yeah, and if you look at the art, there's actually a B2 directly behind him 
Uh, so maybe they were feeling the same way you guys are, throwing in some B2s and uh, go crazy. But he's only going to have one health, though. I think it's still, I mean, reliable is an amazing keyword. Um, I think that's still pretty good. Someone also pointed out to me that if you take this guy in a B2 squad with the rocket heavy, that you have like a suddenly have a three red white with blast at range three. Like that's kind of devastating against like low save things. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty good. good. (laughs) Yeah. And and you won't have to like AI attack when you enter range three, right? Yeah. You can just move shoot or recover shoot and just do it because you don't have AI attack anymore. Yeah, and you have to wait for the gun to cycle, but like if you go to range two, you can use the range two normal gun if you have to. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah like, right. it's not like that's anything to shake a stick at, especially when you got a surge token free from yeah. reliable. Yeah, so it's not like four red and then like three black, three white. That's really nasty. If you stick yeah. them on the on the AC, ACM. On the ACM squad, yeah. yeah. Wow, that's yeah. severe. It's like a saber tank pool. It's like fleets wish they could do this because, especially because fleets um, care about suppression, but these things don't. And these guys have armor one on top of that. Like that's really good. Yep. yep. Um, can we talk about these sculpts real quick? There's some really interesting. Um, did they did they talk at all about like specifically what these each of these models is supposed to be? No, I'm actually confused as to which one's the medic droid and like which well, I think one's the, the I think the medic droid. I think the medic droid is the one that's got a lot going on. If I had to okay. guess, the and one with then, the blood saw on it. Yeah, he's got like, he's got like <laughs> a lot that's going why I'm on. confused because like the buzz, the stuff he's holding sort of looks more mechanical in nature, and like that's fair. The the other droid almost looks like it's holding a baby, but I don't know. I think it's a B1 head. Now that you say that. Okay. Yeah, that other drug's like a turntable and a condenser mic. All right, well, now I have no idea what's going on with these models. <laughs> turntable and a condenser mic. <laughs> That's what it looks like, man. Please, DJ please relax while I treat you and play some smooth tunes. He'll play smooth jazz while he's fixing you. <laughs> that, does look like, that does look like a turntable and a condenser mic. That's There you go. We got the, the Disco T-Series and, the, and his DJ right there next to him. Somebody needs to paint this guy like that. Like, just, you know, paint him in, like, you know, Technicolor and just, like, you know, just going out. That'd be the great. Te- the Techno Union Technicolor. Yeah. There you go. Techno I think my, my favorite sculpt here, I think, is actually the Flying Droid. I don't even know what it is. Me either, but I'm um, if I have an extra one of those base thingies, I'm stealing it and using it for Dio. One of those flying bases. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. Looks like a baby probe droid. Yeah, I think they call it some it sort does. of viper droid of some sorts. Actually, now that you mention it, Kyle, this almost—I think this—this this looks very similar to Dio. It, it almost looks like the same thing, except this one's like in motion. Yeah the the preview article calls it a viper recon droid to collect valuable intel, whatever that means. Yeah. I actually don't know what kind of droid Dio is. All I know is that he looks sort of similar. He looks very similar, yeah. yeah. Maybe he's also like a more modern version of whatever this thing is. That's very possible. The I, I agree with you. The flight stand is so much better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's the curved flight stands really give that appearance of motion. Yeah. All right. Well, you guys got any other um, you guys got any other thoughts here? 
Yeah, you're damn right I do. There's one upgrade we haven't talked yet, talked about yet, and it's called uh-huh. Portable Scanner. Oh, yeah. It is the electro binoculars for Dodge tokens. Woo-hoo! Let me tell you that every list with a Force user is going to take this thing. <laughs> you, 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 you got naked Rebel Troopers in your Commander Operative Luke list? Slap a Portable Scanner on it. You got Stormtroopers in your Darth Vader list? Slap a portable scanner on it. You got naked B ones in your Dooku list. Slap a portable scanner on it. I, man, I don't know. It's six points and just like turns like core units into deflecto machines. I think it's crazy and awesome. It's it's budget force reflexes. Yeah, but but uh, it's, it's force reflexes that you don't have to like um, rely uh, on activating. Uh, re- well. Rely on activating A so you can have it before you activate, but B you don't have to refresh it every turn, so you don't need Master of the Force to get it back. Like it's it's very very good. You can take a bunch. Um, I think it's gonna potentially revolutionize Force users in this game, and I am kind of excited about it. Oh, I'm pumped. Um, someone was theorizing with me earlier, and I think they might be correct. Uh. So the B one battle droids can ignore this car. Uh, this card's you know upgrade icon requirement, and he was saying, "Do you have? I think you can throw both portable scanner and electro binox on a droid unit conceivably because you ignore the upgrade icon requirement. So you could have a naked B one do both, give you an aim and a dodge. Now, is it good? Not necessarily, but I mean, Grievous Grievous likes dodges and aims." Uh, and you could do it all in one shot. This doesn't seem terrible if you have the points. Yeah, I mean that would be what's uh, what's the binox eight points? So that'd be fourteen points for the two of those. You know, I, I would personally rather just pay the extra like four points and throw an E five C on that naked squad. Um, but yeah, I could definitely see this. Like, it's not. I mean, it's very common in a separatist list uh, to run one or more like naked B ones that just have an uplink on them. And often I find myself, you know, when running them with Dooku. Um, just recovering and then being like, I guess I'll move or something with my second action. You know, this does take an action, but if you're putting it on a unit like a naked rebel trooper or a naked B1 that doesn't typically use up that second action for something super important anyway, you might as well throw a dodge token on your force user. So, yeah, yeah from all, from all to shut it down. So it's fine. <laughs> yeah, from high velocity to shut it down. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I mean, you'll note that I did not include clone troopers in my uh, suggested list of things to put it on because they don't they don't need this shenanigans. They just take put it on. Put it on Leia. <laughs> just put it on Leia already. Would she get that? Yeah, so you take cover three, so you can put it on three snipers of situational awareness and like uh, give the middle finger to those arc snipers. <laughs> I mean, so so let me ask you this question. Electro binoculars is very close to like an auto take on mirrors. Is this an auto take on Leia? I think uh, so. I think so, actually. Uh... Yeah, I think especially when Mandalorians release, and I think that Leia has some pretty good synergies with Mandos and uh, dodge tokens and nimble and stuff like that. Yeah, you can. I, I think so. No one thinks Rebel veterans are good, but I want to point out that there's a Rebel veteran on the on the art of this card. And I think that veterans have a training slot. So 
How can you tell it's another veteran? You can't see his face. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah, it could just be like a normal rebel schmo in a uh, in a snow outfit. I clearly well, you know there's a P1 battle droid under there. Clearly it's a Tauntaun rider that just lost its mount. Right. There you go. That that actually is what it looks like, actually. Because be- it got burned up by crits. So it wants you to do situational awareness. Or it died from the cold, which is apparently a thing that can happen to cold weather beasts, but not humans on a snow planet. Well, I'll see you <laughs> in hell! Yeah. Anyway. It's a really good sleeping bag. I saw it here. <laughs> All right, let's. Uh, you guys got anything else? Make covering fire great again. <laughs> hey, maybe you know between this and situational awareness, maybe we're going to see the revenge of the Dodge token. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I want Episode everyone. Three. I want everyone out there in our audience to know that Kyle Dornbos thought this episode was going to be thirty minutes, and that we didn't have enough to talk about. <laughs> yeah, just just let it be known. We're in we're in minute eighty one. I thought it was possible. I mean, we went on a rant about MOV and about, um, you know, the differences between in-person and online cons. So I, I'm, just making, on that point. I'm just making a point. All that's, right. That's all. Uh, all right. Well, we are the Notorious Scoundrels. I'm Kyle. I'm Mike. I'm David. And I'm having nightmares about Maul. <laughs> we'll see you next week.